0: Luke chapter 2, we're going to read this together this morning. Luke chapter 2, we're going to read 1 through 7 this morning, and we are talking about the person in the, in the story of Luke, and I, I, I encourage you to get Luke chapter 2 and get Matthew chapter 2 because we're going to be jumping back and forth to those two, and I want you to see this as we go to it. Luke chapter 2, let's go ahead and stand. We're going to read verses 1 through 7. We're going to read it all together. You're going to read out loud, I'm going to read out loud. Some of you probably have most of it memorized. We make it a point in our house before we open up gifts to read this portion of Scripture every time. And it's just beautiful to see what what happens with this. Let's go ahead and read Luke 2, 1 through 7. Read it with me. Here we go. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. We're going to talk, we, we talked about the people or we're going to actually, we did that on Wednesday night, but today we're going to talk about the person. A lot of people get wrapped up in the people of the story, and don't realize what it really is all about. It's all about Christ, and we're going to talk about that person. But we could find some interesting things if we were to take Luke chapter 1 and 2, and and Matthew chapter 1 and 2. We can get a lot of information about this Christ that was born, and we're going to stay in those. But the people that are mentioned in the story, as we look at it, the people that are there... Mary and Joseph, of course, are the, the main ones in there. And, uh, and we, have, we have Mary and Joseph, we have Elizabeth and Zacharias, they are found. And, and this is uh, Mary's cousin, and she talks about having John the Baptist. And then you have Herod, of course, he's a bad guy in the whole story. And so are these guys, the high priests and scribes. So these are all people that make up this story. And so you have, you have some other ones, the innkeeper. We don't know his name, he never speaks, but we know that he didn't have any room for them. And then, of course, the two, the two groups of people that we have in the story, and we're not talking about angels, we're talking about people. The first one is what? The shepherds. Shepherds come in, and they come to what? The manger. They're going to where the crib is. But then you have later on, you have the wise men, that they come, as the Bible says, to a house. And it says, it uses a reference to, to Jesus as the young child. And so here you have all these people that make up this story. And so and you could actually get involved with the whole city of Jerusalem because they were nervous when the wise men came. But you have all these people. Now look at these people. We know all about them. Probably don't know as much about Elizabeth and Zacharias, but we know all about the other ones. The innkeeper would not let them come in and said, hey, you can take, you can take her out to the, to the stable and she can have a baby there. Can you imagine how you would feel if that was you? Later on, if you'd find out this was the Christ child that was going to come up in in 30 years and he was going to be the ones doing all the miracles. You have the wise men that traveled very far to see him. You have the shepherds that didn't travel that far to see him. Had Mary and Joseph that traveled from, as we read here, Nazareth to Bethlehem. And they came there to be taxed. And that's why they were there. These are all what, what I call, watch, minor characters. Don't get overwhelmed with these people because they were doing what God wanted them to do, but they are what we call minor characters. Because the story's not about the wise men and the three gifts, it's not about the shepherds, it's not about the angels even. It's not even about Joseph. And Joseph was there for a purpose and he fulfilled what the Old Testament said. It wasn't about Mary, she was a very good lady, but it wasn't about her. It was about the child that she would have. And these are minor characters. So when we go, what do, you, what do we know about the person of Christ in the stories of, of his birth? Just what we find in Matthew chapter 1, Matthew chapter 2, Luke 1 and 2. Because we know other things about it. We know later that He would get His disciples, He would do all these um, miracles, He would heal people, He'd make the lame to walk, He'd make the, the deaf to hear, He'd make the blind to see, He would re- resurrect a man by the name of Lazarus, He did all these things. But let's just go back to this very first part, when He's in the, in the manger, and when He's in a, in a, as a small child in a home, what do we know about His birth? There's a couple things in here. Number one, it's His characteristics are told when He's a child. Can you imagine telling the characteristics, and they, you, we, we overlooked this because you, you can't tell really what a child's like until they get older, right? If, if I took the Easterlings up and said, hey, you tell me what your kids were when they were one day old, or what they're going to do, all of a sudden we understand the magnitude of the characteristics of him and the prophecy that was going to be filled, fulfilled with him. I, I look at our children, and, and the, the, the second one was born so fast. Um, she um, was, my, my wife, they broke her water, in 17 minutes, she had the baby. Her, 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 she's just perfect form of a child when she was born. Her coloring was a little off because she was born so fast. But then I go back to my first child, and, and I didn't know what to expect, and, and she was in labor. I don't know, how long were you in labor, hon? I don't remember. I was, what, 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 how long was it? Nine hours? Nine hours. When that baby came out, it was in the birth canal so long, her forehead was the biggest part of her body. I remember they put a, a hat on her and she still had three inches of forehead. And, I, and I, frankly, I was in shock. I had not been around little babies before and I was like, oh, I hope she grows into that forehead. And they put that hat on to try to make it up. And I was like, oh my word, we're going to be made fun of. And and all of a sudden, as she started developing, that forehead shrank a little bit. Praise God. I think her forehead was bigger when she was born than it is now. Amen. She's 25 years old. I didn't know what to think. I didn't know what to expect. But I can't imagine saying, oh, this is what she's going to do. This is what she's going to do. She's going to do this. She's going to do this. This is the characteristics of her. And this is what she's going to do in the future. So they have this. We have the characteristics in prophecy. We also have this. We also have the names given. I want you to think this because I'm going to, we're going to get to it in just a second. How many different names was the child given in Matthew 1 and 2 and Luke 1 and 2? You'll be shocked how many names were given to him. And, so, and some of you know there's some very obvious. So let's look at this first part, and we're going we're to look at this as we go. And It says this in the Bible, and characteristics and prophecy. What are some characteristics of Christ and prophecies of Him when He was just a child, a young child or a baby? What are some of the things? Who is He? This is going to define who He is, and it's also the characteristics and prophecy is going to say what He would do. Now again, go back to your own children. When they were born, could you do this? Sometimes we overlook this, and I, I, as I look at this, it's amazing how God tells us what Christ is going to do. And this Christ in the manger is going to be something great. And as we look at these, I want you to see this. So let's check out some characteristics and prophecies, and I've got some scriptures in here if you want to write the scriptures. The person of Christ. The first one says he's going to be virgin born. Let's go to Matthew chapter 1. And let's look and see what it says. And this is when he's not talking to Mary. He's actually talking to her her dad, uh, uh, her husband to be. It says in verse number 21: it says, And she shall bring forth a a child, bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Jesus, and he shall save his people from himself. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Watch, behold, a virgin shall be with child. One of the I I personally think it's the biggest miracle of all the Bible because it forelays everything of who our Savior is. He He wasn't a son of man. He was a son of God. He was virgin born. It was God that had him. One of the biggest aspects of him we find out that he was virgin born. Then we also, the next one, you're going to say, well, what's this got to do with him? He was Bethlehem born. This is important because the Matthew chapter one, if you read Matthew chapter one, how many of you ever got to the lineages and sometimes just said, I don't know if I really want to read those. I'm just, because he begat and he begat and he begat and he begat. Well, if you read Matthew chapter one, you're going to figure out real quick that the lineage of David is through this man by the name of Joseph. And Joseph had to go to Bethlehem because he was from the lineage of David. That's why that's so important. It fulfills the Old Testament. It said that Christ was going to come down the line of David. And it was Joseph that did that. So he was virgin born. Biggest miracle that I feel is ever in the Bible. Bethlehem born. Not only that, he was great. I like this. Go to Luke chapter 1. Again, I told you you're going to be jumping from Luke to Matthew. Luke chapter 1 and go to verse number 32. It says this. It says, when, he, when he's talking, it says in verse number 30, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and it shall call his name Jesus. He shall be what? Great. When I think of my life and I think of things that I've went through and how God has brought me through, I can tell you that God's great. He, he is a great Savior, isn't he? The word great covers many areas. The salvation was great. Living for Him is great. The mercy is great. The forgiveness, it's great. So when you look, at, you look at all the things and you put the word great before, it says that He was going to be great. What does this mean? He was going to fulfill everything that the Old Testament said about Him. And He did. He is a great Savior. That's one of the things we find out about Him. Not only that, as, as we go down, it says, Reign over Israel, Luke chapter 1, verse 33. As we keep reading on this, it says, He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto Him the throne of His father David, and He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and, his, and, of, and of His kingdom there shall be no end. Here He is, the, He's going to reign over Israel. If you watch any news... In the Middle Middle East, what do they talk about? Israel. And if you were to look it up on a map, Israel's a very small country. You would not think that it would cause so much problems and strife in in the area. The Palestinians don't like them. The, The Afghanis don't like them. You can go through it. The Egyptians don't like them. They just don't like them because you know why? It's God's chosen people. And it says that He's going to rule over Israel, and one day He will do that. And so sometimes we get wrapped up. I like watching things happen in the Middle East. How many of you, if you like prophecy, you can watch it and you say, oh wow, I can't believe this is happening or that. Watch the cornerstone of the tabernacle. And God knows exactly what he's doing. He's going to reign over Israel, and that's what Jesus said he was going to do. So the next one is he's a salvation. Now, this is very important. I want to step on, I want to go on this one for a little bit. Go to Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. Here's what it says about him: it says. And and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, and he shall, what's the next word? Save. You say, well, he didn't save everybody in Israel. That's not on him. That's on them. Just like me and you, I I see the shoops back there. They've got a choice to make if they're going to have salvation, and they both say they're saved, so they've, they've accepted it. But there's other people out there that know all about him that won't accept him. Maybe it's because they they just think they don't need Him. There will be a time when they realize it. The Bible says what? That every knee shall bow. And that's going to happen. Every tongue shall confess. That That means Saddam Hussein is going to confess it. It means Adolf Hitler will confess it. All these people, you think, wow, they they will. It won't make a difference after, after after they do it, but they will confess it. They will realize truly who He is. He is our salvation. Go back to this verse, Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, and it says this: it says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, and he shall save his people from their sins. He takes, comes in my life, and and, and covers my sins with with his blood. Isn't that great to know? I mean, He's there, and He's in a manger, and He's sitting there as a child, but even as a child, It was told that he's going to save his people from their sins. That's why when he's crucified, the centurion is sitting there watching the whole thing. He looks at him and says at the very end, he says, truly, this must be the Son of God. And he had no dog in the fight. He just watched it. But it was foretold when he was in the manger that he was going to save his people from their sins. And he is still in the saving business. If you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, you better get it settled. Because as I said, Adolf Hitler, Saddam Hussein, all these evil men that we think of, they are going to confess Him. And one day we will have to, and it depends on which side you are when you confess it. We've got to have this salvation. And there's something about it. I love Christmas. I love the lights of Christmas. I just, I love going around and seeing the Christmas lights. And I'm colorblind. I can't even tell what colors they are mostly. And so I'm sitting there going, oh, that's nice, that's nice. But you know what? It's not about the lights. It's about the baby. It's about the salvation that He offers you and I freely. And sometimes, Brother Bernard, I just don't understand that, how He could love me that much. When I was born, I didn't have an existence before that. Born in May 27, 1966. 52 years old. As I, as I think about it, what did he give up to come to this earth? The Bible says when he created Adam and Eve, he created him in our image, referring to the God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. He was alive then. He's what he is, he's always been. And He came on this earth for one purpose. And it was to be your salvation. I'm not here for a confession, but if we were just to think about how many things we've done wrong this week. How many sins we've committed, a wrong thought, a wrong deed, a wrong action. He came to be the salvation of that, that sin. He became our propitiation for sins. He would, if you would, would, would allow me to under, for you to understand this, you were going into a court system and you were found guilty. And at the last minute, he stands up and says, I'll take his punishment. And you know what I like about it is because when you read the story of him being crucified, the veil was rent from the top to the bottom. Amen. And the Holy of Holies was opening up, opened up. And no longer do we have to have a high priest go in. We could talk to Christ himself, which would bring us to, to God himself. And that's because He's our salvation. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 1 verse 21 that He is our salvation. Not only is He our salvation, He is to be worshipped. I I look at this and I go, wow, this is just amazing. Because go to Matthew chapter 2 verse 11 and it says these wise men come in. And it says, and when they were coming to the house and they had sought Him and sought Him and sought Him, went through Herod, went through Jerusalem. It says, and when they saw the young man with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped Him. That's amazing. I remember remember when I brought our, our girls to church when they were little. I don't know if you've ever seen those dolly dresses you get in Gatlinburg. We got a big dolly dress. It was that yellow dress. And my girls were bald until they were two years old. And so we would get them in these big dresses and, and, and we put hair bands on them and, and the ones was still supporting that big forehead, we got that, we got that put on her and, we, and we, we'd take her to church and we'd bring her to church and is this big yellow frilly dress and, and I'd be carrying her in and people would walk up and say, what's his name? <laughs> her name is Megan. She's got a yellow dress. I'm mean, but I'm not that mean. I mean, he would never know it if he was a ch- boy and I did that, but hey. I wouldn't do that. But not anybody came up to my child and say, "Can you just can I, I'm just going to worship him." That's ludicrous to say. Because that's not what happens. But these wise men of prestige come in, they see that child, and they instantly fall down and worship him. That's a characteristic of what's going on with this person. This is what kind of person he was. Even as a child, he was vulnerable. But don't kid yourself, there were angels guarding him. They knew exactly what they were going to do, and he directed Joseph in the right way, and if Joseph wouldn't have listened, he would have done something about it, because he was going to protect his child. This child was to be worshipped. Sometimes we worship the wrong things. And here, this person is who we should worship. So let's go on a little bit further. Now we have not only the the worshipping of the kings, we have the aspect... Of the persons and the names. The person and the names. How many names, if I put this up there, how many names did Jesus have in Matthew chapter 1 and 2 and Luke 1 and 2? I found this, there might be more. But how many names would you say there would be? Would it be three? We, we know of some right off the bat. Eight different names. Every name is significant. I remember growing up, my name was Walter Wayne Wagner. I only heard those three names together when I was in trouble. Walter Wayne Wagner, get in here. I went by the name of Wally growing up. You'll hear my Chuck Chuck will talk to, to me, and when he calls me, he calls me Wally. I've heard every leave it to beaver joke you could possibly imagine. But there's the only names that I've ever been told, I've ever been called. But as a birth, as as a child, as a young child, and as a baby, there are eight references to who Christ is. And it's to different people. I want you to see these. There's eight different names. Why are the names important? The names are important because of two things. Prophecy and power prophecy and power. We're not going to go through, you're going, we've got to go through eight things. We're going to go through some of them really quick and I'll give you the verses and you can look them up. Let's look at these names really quick and then we'll be done. Look at the names of Christ found in Matthew chapter one and Luke chapter, Matthew one and two and Luke one and two. The first one is he's called Jesus. He's called Jesus on three different occasions. He says it to um Uh, Joseph, and then he turns around and says the same thing, you shall call his name Mary. You say, why is that so important? Because in biblical times, they didn't name their children. That was basically the father's name is what they were going to call them. So here, and even if you read the story of Zacharias and Elizabeth, they changed the name to John when they would have normally called him Zacharias. So it's very important in this that they've changed his name to Jesus. And so here's his name, Jesus, and everybody knew who it was. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, let's look at that one real quick. It says, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, it says this, it says, And she shall bring forth a son, talking to Joseph, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. And I love the next one, it says, because it shows that he listened to what they said, because in verse number 25, it says, And knew her not till she had brought her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. So we have have the name Jesus. Not only do we have the name Jesus, we have the name Christ. In Matthew chapter 2, Verse 4, it says, And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he commanded of them where, here's his name, Christ should be born. So here's the second reference, Matthew chapter 2, verse 4. Write these down and study these out. The next one is called Christ the Lord. It's a little bit added to it. Go to uh, Matthew, uh, Luke chapter 2 and you'll see this. Luke chapter 2, I told you we're going to be jumping around a lot. I think these go back and forth the whole time. Matthew chapter 2 verse 11 says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord. And those two words are very significant because He should be your Lord. We all serve somebody. We either probably usually serve ourselves or we serve God. And that's our choice as a Christian. The Bible says you cannot serve two masters. I can't serve myself and serve God at the same time. It's a wrong perspective. And so we've got to see this. So we have Christ the Lord, the name. The fourth one is this. He's called a governor. I never thought for one second that my girls would be a governor. Most people would say, oh wow, they made it to the governorship. They would be shocked that their kids went that far. But it says the governor, Matthew chapter 2, verse 6, it says this in, in verse number 6. It says, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, art not the, the least among the princes of Judah? For out of thee shall come a governor, capital G. So here we have the fourth name, governor. The fifth name, son of the highest. In Luke chapter 1. In Luke chapter 1, verse number 28, I think, oh, 32. Luke chapter 1 verse 32 says this, And he shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. That's who he is. You just think about that name. My dad's name is Norman. I'd be son of Norman. But he's son of the highest because there's no one higher than him. There's no one higher than God. He's God's son. That's why he came to this earth. Luke chapter 1 tells it. Now these last three, I want you to look at these. These are the ones I really want to get into. It's called the Son of God. This is important to understand that He was a man and He was God all wrapped up in one. He was tempted just like we are. He could have told the devil, you know, just leave me alone. I, I can handle this. But he went through all those temptations when he hadn't eaten so he could say, that he went through temptations just like you and I. Let's put it, let's make this simple. Has there ever been a time when you knew you weren't supposed to do something and you thought through before you did it and you still did it? But there was a point in your life where you could have said, I'm not gonna do that, and you didn't do it. And how great you felt at that point. That's what Jesus did for us. He didn't fall to temptation. In in Luke chapter 1, verse 35, it says this as it's as it's referring to him. It says in Luke chapter 1, verse 35, it says, And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overthrow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Now, let's look at this, look at this display down here. Rosemary, don't get mad at me about this, okay? All right? But angels are never females. The word angels are angelos. O-S, they're always male. Give me a female that's mentioned in the Bible that's 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 an angel. You won't find one. Gabriel, there's another one. Lucifer, Michael. O-S, it's a masculine term. Picture, if you will, when this baby was born. We look at this baby as being very vulnerable, and we look at an angel as being very prestigious. If Lucifer were to walk in here in his, in his, what he would look like, everybody would look at him and go, they would be in awe of what he looked like. But this baby had more power than that angel ever had. That angel's finger didn't have the, his little finger had more power than that, that the whole angel had. And the multitude of hosts. This little baby A replica of this little baby. Jesus, I want to tell you something. He had everything. He was the son of God. He was God himself. And he had way more power than those angels did. And yet they were there. God knew exactly what he was doing every step of the way. The seventh name that he was called. One of my favorites. He's my savior. He was was called, Daniel, to save the world, but he's my personal Savior. And we go and we see these, and, and we see these displays all the time. Let me ask you this one simple question. When you look at a manger scene, now think this through. You're looking at a manger scene. What is always in the middle of the manger scene? It's Christ. Always the center focal point. Because it's not about the people, it's about the baby. Mary didn't save me from my sin. She was a very godly lady, but she was not perfect. Joseph didn't save me. The kings, the gifts that they gave, they helped her, but they're they're nothing about the story as much as what Jesus is to my life. He is my Savior. And what is it? When we look at this, very soon, guess what will be upon us? Easter. That's why He was born. He had more power than the angels. He was born for me. And when he was crucified, he said nothing. Instead said people wagged their heads at him. You ever done that with somebody trying to get their attention? Just wag your head at him like, you, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't have to say anything, you just wag your head. And yet he said nothing in return. He is my Savior. Let's look at this. Luke chapter 2, verse number 11 it says this, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. And I want to say this, He is the only Savior. The Bible says what? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will never change. And if you don't get excited about some of these names, I'm thinking, man, he is, he is Jesus. He is Christ. He's Christ the Lord. He's the governor, the one that rules over me. He is the son of the highest. You can't go any higher than Him. How many of you have ever worked a job and you say, I want to talk to your supervisor"? Well, you've met the supervisor when it comes to Christ. He's the supervisor. Well, I've done that before. I need to talk to somebody that's bigger than you. Amen? But there's no one bigger than Christ. And then it says He is the Son of God. That that points to who His Father is. And it doesn't diminish who He is. And then it says He's my Savior. If you don't understand the Savior aspect, you don't understand who Christ is because it's one of His biggest attributes. He came back to heal, Bernard, but that was not his main purpose. He was bringing these people here to show them his power, but his biggest power was when three days after he died, he rose again. And that's why he's my Savior. My brother's here. When my my mom died, I didn't go back three days to see if she was still there. I knew she was there. But three days later... He was no longer there. Well, I don't know if I believe that. Over 500 people saw him after he had died. He is your Savior. And the best name of all, what is the name I'm forgetting? Let's see if anybody knows. Who said it? Emmanuel. Emmanuel. And this is what I like. Because he's my Savior. He he helps me not be cast, and, and if anybody deserved hell, it's me. Because He's my Savior, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get what I rightly deserve. But not only is He my Savior, He's my Emmanuel. And, and, and sometimes we read things, we don't, we don't, it doesn't tell us exactly what's going on. But I like this story because when He tells this, He tells you what Emmanuel means. Turn to Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, and we'll be done. Matthew 1, 23 says this. It says, He's talking... Um, to uh, uh, Joseph, and he says this. He says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Watch this. Being interpreted, God with us. (laughs) That means so much to me because it tells me when I go through struggles and I go through trials that he's with me. He's my Savior. I'm going to go to heaven for that. But you know what? There's something about him walking with me. There's something about him walking in the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and the fourth person shows up, and that was Christ. There's something about the Emmanuel that he's with me. When you have, when you have struggles with your health or, or health issues, and you go, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but you know what? he's with me. When you have financial problems, and there's probably not a person here that doesn't have a financial problem. We all have issues that we have to deal with, but he's with me. He's not only my Savior, he's my Emmanuel. And I think this is interesting. Look at the terminology at this. He's saying this to Joseph. Watch how he breaks it down. He says, and they shall call him Emmanuel. He told, him, he told Joseph to call him Jesus. He said, and they shall call him Emmanuel. It's referring to not just Joseph. It's referring to everybody. We are the they, which being interpreted... God with us. So when, that, when you see that manger and you see a little baby, that's God. And later on, he'd be walking along the sea and he'd see a man by the name of Peter, James, John, and Andrew and say, listen, come on over here and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Were they perfect? No. But my last question to you is this. Since we know the names and we know everything with this, What are we doing with the person in the manger? I would encourage you to keep Christ in Christmas. Because Christ is what Christmas is all about. The world has tried to get this and it's tried to exemplify everything and they've got so many offshoots of what's going on at Christmas. But it's all about the baby. It's all about the baby that is my Emmanuel, my Savior, the Son of God, Son of the Highest, and the list goes on. What are you doing?